Inspiration. Turn up the motivation. You're on the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Zig Ziggler wants you to be your best. Welcome to Zig Ziglar's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay. Today, Zig is in teaching mode. He is going to go over how we can use our voice to help us close more sales. Let's listen to Zig. And so as we look at the voice inflection close, you learn to do the things I'm talking about. First, by taking that one sentence, I did not say he stole the money. And you need to use those sentences into a recorder until a stranger can listen to them and tell you what those words are saying. Now, you'll have to practice that a number of different times, and you'll have to listen carefully and make it come back. And when you have then done that successfully, now re-record your presentation. With the new voice inflection and the new information, you will discover that in a matter of a month, you can dramatically increase the impact of that presentation. Then as you listen to this recording, you will want to play these things over and over, and you'll need to back it up and then spread it forward and back it up and then let it go forward to hear this particular thing a number of times from here on in. How many of you have prospects who occasionally say to you that your price is a little out of line? Can I see your hands? I know of very few salespeople who do not encounter that objection. Now, some of them bring it up in one way, some in another. One guy will be dogmatic, that price is ridiculous. You might have an old boy down home kind of a philosopher who will kind of say, well, you folks kind of proud of that stuff yourself, ain't you? Another one might be a little timid or a little hesitant, you know, and they'll say, well, it seems to me that uh, that price is a little high. Now, they're all talking about price, but you handle them in a different way. The prospector says, that price is ridiculous. You simply lower your voice and repeat almost verbatim what they said. The price is ridiculous. Now that sounds so simple, but you'll need to practice it on your recorder a number of times. What you have done psychologically is you now have moved the objection back over to his side of the table. Now he's got to justify his statement instead of you defending the price. And there is a lot of difference. Now, you can use these in social situations, family situations, or any other situations. You know, ladies, you might beat your husband home if you both work or if you do not work and he gets home and you've had a tough day, you know. You simply say to your husband, honey, did you want to take me to Alamans for dinner tonight or would Farfallows be better? Well, he might not be in the kind of mood to take you out to dinner. He might well say, well, honey, I really didn't want to take you anywhere to dinner. Or he might be even uh, more emphatic than that. You don't argue with him. You simply look at him and say, you don't want to take me to dinner? Huh? It's almost unfair, isn't it? Some people call him the weaker sex. I'm always amazed uh, at that myself. 
They live longer than we do. Any doctor will tell you that their endurance is much greater. Their threshold of pain is much greater. All of these good things. We'll learn someday. But anyhow, you, you, you might be grass cutting time at home. And so you say to your son, son, it's time to cut the grass. Well, you know, some of our youngsters are not always overly motivated, excited, and enthused, and dedicated, and committed uh, to cleaning the yard as we are. And so he might uh, well say, I don't want to cut the grass. Well, you just look at him and simply say, you don't want to cut the grass, son? (laughs) Now, what you've done very simply is you put it back on his side of the fence. And now he has to deal with it. It might be uh, time to uh, study the lessons. It's time to start working on your homework, son. I don't want to work on my homework. You're not interested in a good education, son? Put it on his side, you see. Now, what does all of this do? All of this very simply puts you, instead of in an antagonistic position where it's me against you, you're making him or her accept their responsibilities for their conduct. And if you can do that, in many cases, you're going to improve the performance. Now, in selling somebody, if you can make that customer start thinking, see, if you are selling a legitimate product at a legitimate price and it is in their best interest to buy, then you're making them think along those identical lines. Yes, voice inflection can play a tremendous role in selling. It means that you're selling on the offense instead of the defense. As Charlie Cullen, who was one of my early mentors in the world of selling, said, you are selling uh, audaciously. You are challenging uh, the prospect. Now, I want to say something here, as I've said before. In my judgment, the single most important skill you need to concentrate on is the learning of the use of your voice. I want to emphasize this is simple, but it is not easy. It's going to be a little embarrassing and challenging to sit there by yourself talking into that cassette player, making like a movie star or an actor somewhere or a recording artist. But my friend, the performance and the playing field of your empty room there, if you handle it properly, it will improve your performance much, much, much in front of the prospect. I challenge you to get your cassette out. And you do exactly what I'm talking about. You need to do it a dozen times, even 20 to 30 times, to get that voice inflection exactly right. Is it trouble? Yes. Is it work? Yes. Is it worth it? You betcha. It's worth every bit of it. Now, suppose that the uh, prospect uh, has simply said to you, it uh, seems to me that the price is a little out of line. Now, please understand one thing. There are a lot of prospects who, for whatever reason, will automatically say the price is too high. Makes no difference what it is. They think that puts them in a better position to negotiate a better price or to get a better deal in some way, form, or fashion from you. And so they automatically are going to say something about the price being a little too high. What you need to do is find out if price really is the problem or is there another issue. My friend John Hammond has successfully handled literally thousands of objections of this nature. And what he does is very simple. He looks at the prospect and says, if there were a way I could show you that the price is more than fair and the product is worth every dime we're asking, 
Would you go ahead and take advantage of our offer today? Now, what you're going to do is find out, is price the objection or is there something else? This forces the prospect to make a commitment based on price when his real objection might be color, style, neighborhood, or something else you could and should even must identify. If this is the situation, his response is going to be, well, no, not really. Price is not really the problem. And when he says that, then you can simply say, then there must be some other reason you're hesitating. Would you mind if I ask what that reason might be? A superb procedure for smoking out the real objection. Price is too high. Let me ask you a question, Mr. Prospect. Do you like the product? Notice again all the questions we're asking. Do you like the product? Well, yes, I like it, but it, it says that the price is high. Lower your voice. Look your prospect right in the eye. And I'll say this so many times throughout the series. Look the prospect in the eye. That's one of the reasons why, unless the sunlight is dazzlingly bright, you're out on a desert somewhere, you must never have on sunglasses. That prospect needs to clearly see those eyeballs. Whether it is fact or fiction, most people have been taught that if he won't look in the eye, he ain't honest. How many of you have ever heard that? I don't like that guy. Wouldn't look me in the eye. Well, my experience has been that the greatest con men of all time, I mean the smoothest talking rascals I have ever seen, could look you dead center with those baby blue eyes and just charm you out of your last buck. And they never varied at all. I mean, they looked you dead center. But most people agree that they don't trust those who will not look them in the eye. And so if you can't see their eyes, then the tendency not to trust is much greater. Among other things, they might think you're on drugs, you know, and that's the reason that uh, you need to have those uh, eyeballs where they can see. So anyhow, the prospect has said, uh, you've asked them if they like the product, and they say, yeah, I like the product, but the price is too high. Then you lower your voice, you look at him and say, wouldn't you agree, Mr. Prospect, that it is difficult to pay too much for something you really like? Now, that's a pretty good question. And if you're selling a low-ticket item, cosmetics, brushes, necktie, wallet, items, you know, that are not a significant purchase in itself, a single item, a lot of times that one question is enough. But if you're selling a lifetime insurance program, or if you're selling a fancy luxury automobile, or if you're selling a, a home at $200,000, you're going to have to come up with more than that. A lot of times they say, yeah, well, I see what you mean, but yeah, I think you can pay too much for something, if, even if you really do like it. I'd like to have a Cadillac, but I'm not going to give you $50,000 for one. But what you've done is significant because you have started that individual to thinking. Now, this brings us right back to something important. We call it the fear of loss close. Again, remember that the fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. You need to establish in that prospect's mind the fact that he's safe in dealing with you, that he's not going to lose. And for him, a loss could either be money or it could be embarrassment, a loss of face. He's not going to lose by buying from you. But he will lose product benefits if he doesn't buy from you. So one effective way to do this is simply to say, 
Mr. Price Bay, let me point out that you're going to be concerned about price only one time. That's when you buy. But you're going to be concerned with quality during the entire lifetime of the product. Then you lower your voice, look him right in the eye again and say, wouldn't you agree that it's better to invest a little more than you had planned instead of a little less than you should? That is a good question. Wouldn't you agree that it's better to invest a little more than you had planned instead of a little less than you should? You see, if you invest a little more than you had planned, all you're talking about is pennies. If you invest less than you should and the product will not do what you had wanted it to do, then you literally lose everything. A little more than you had planned instead of a little less than you should. John Ruskin made an astute observation about price. It's unwise to pay too little. When you pay too much, you lose a little money. That's all. When you pay too little, you sometimes lose everything because the thing you bought was incapable of doing what it was bought to do. The common law of business balance prohibits paying a little and getting a lot. It can't be done. If you deal with the lowest bidder, it is well to add something for the risk you run. And if you do that, then you will have enough to pay for something better. That makes sense, doesn't it? Let me tell you why I encourage people to read and study so much. The question which I've used, wouldn't you agree it's better to pay a little more than you'd planned? That was initiated by the John Ruskin statement. Had I not read what John Ruskin said, then the other thing would never have come to mind. Better to pay a little more. Let me uh, uh, see if we can establish that in this way. How many of you ladies here today have got some cosmetics at home in a drawer? They've been there about a year. The jars are tightly sealed or the lids are tightly clamped. You're not using them. You know perfectly good and well you are never going to use them. But they're still good. And it would be wasteful, sinful, to take those cosmetics out and throw them away. You're not about to do that. What you are going to do is wait another year. And at the end of the next year, they then will be dried out, won't be useful for anybody, and now you can throw them away with a clear conscience. All the girls are snickering. Ladies, here's the question. Wouldn't it have been better to have paid or invested a little more than you had planned instead of a little less as you did. As it is, you have lost everything. That is, unless you now take those cosmetics down to the Salvation Army or some other charitable organization and donate to them so they can be used and you can get a tax write-off as a result of it. And the recipient wins and you win and everybody wins and they're happy as a result of it. My good friend, the late Dick Gardner, put it this way. Why settle for the get-by when in the long run the good cost less? That's a powerful statement. It's a profound statement. Why settle for the get-by when in the long run the good costs less? I like the way he showed us how to use our voice in a variety of selling situations. Whether we are selling to a customer or a boss, 
a spouse or a child, let's use this technique this week and practice it until it becomes second nature for us. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. 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 Inspiring true performance.